AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. It is Monday. It is January 22nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Follow along with us, as I mentioned, with the KDOS 1060 app. There's a bunch of really cool things happening right now with that KDOS 1060 app. For a few more days, up until the end of the month, there's a chance for you to win sixth row hoops tickets to downtown Phoenix. Food and drink included, so you want to make sure you're eligible for that. Download the KDOS 1060 app. Make sure you register. Also... There's a golf tournament coming to town, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, or I think it's officially now the WM Phoenix Open. I don't know. It's undergone a lot of name changes. Regardless, there's some general <laughs> admission tickets available for you through the KDOS 1060 app. So make sure you're downloading the app, registering, and uh, taking us wherever you are going to hear all of the fun analysis that we have from the divisional weekend that certainly did not disappoint. Let's set the scene, though, with today's poll questions, and we'll get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Will the Bills and Josh Allen ever get over the postseason hump? The Chiefs were victorious uh, yesterday. The Bills going home. And no, out in front at 69% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 31%. And the Bills finally got Mahomes and the Chiefs in Buffalo and didn't take care of business. They lose again. And uh, I think uh, that's two straight years they've now lost at home in the postseason and this very round in the divisional round. And uh, they uh, once again failed the uh, you know test to get to the to, you know the conference championship game in this case. We will answer that question officially today around 12:30. Plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Tossing it on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060, or uh, also on X. Uh, the 49ers, they are moving on, advancing to the NFC Championship round, fourth time in the last five years. But the question, should the 49ers be concerned about Brock Purdy's shady performance in the rain against the Packers? Yes is now leading the way at 52.6% of the vote. No is trailing at 47.4%. He was certainly shaky until the final drive. Uh, before that, he was frequently off target, high in a lot of passes throughout the game. But in the final drive, when they drive the game-winning 69-yard touchdown drive, uh, Purdy was six out of seven during that drive. And the one incompletion was when you know Kittle just dropped the ball. That would have been a huge play. Would have been at least a uh, you know, minimum a 10, 15-yard play then. Uh, but uh, they came back, and obviously after that, he was unfazed and had the scramble. Uh, for nine yards, uh, the play before Christian McCaffrey scored would turn out to be the game-winning touchdown. And 
We will officially answer that question around 1230 today. Plenty of time for you to chime in if you'd like to. Phone calls, 1130 and 1215, the number 602-260-1060. But first, before we dissect the NFL Divisional Weekend, applause is needed. It's another win in the Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits Weekend play. The over hit in the Bucks and the Lions game. So, so far on the season, we are 14-5. and five. Holy smokes, how remarkable is that? Uh, so let's yeah. try to keep it rolling next week. Yeah, I was on that. We were all on that. You and I and the, the caller and hopefully uh, you know everybody that uh, deals with the buck, bookmaker, we were all on that. However, I assume we were all pretty concerned a large chunk of the game that that game was going to get to the over and there was the second half and fourth quarter explosion, the two big touchdowns, obviously, by uh, – by the Lions and then the uh, the touchdown and you know that uh, you know by the Buccaneers to make it uh, within one score and then uh, some of us would have even benefited leaving a little bit more had uh, they converted the two point conversion and covered the six and a half. Yeah, exactly. I was very nervous for quite some time, and then the offensive explosion took place, and it was a track meet, and I was like, "Let's go track meet, keep going." Because we were still uh, we were still a few points away from feeling good about the overhit, but it did, and we're well, we're winners of two in a row now here in 2024. Let's. You know, I got I got to tell you one thing. I was really concerned the first quarter though, because both coaches settled for field goals on their first you know, scoring opportunities. Yeah, I wasn't that surprised that Todd Bowles settled for a field goal, but I was shocked that Dan Campbell didn't go for it on fourth down and kick the field goal. And uh, I'm thinking at that point, damn, you know, we need all the points we can get in these games. And yeah, I'm not used to betting games over, so I was a little, you know, was you know app- apprehensive anyway. Uh, but yeah, you know, when that happened in the first quarter, I just went, oh my god. And it's only 10-10 at halftime, and uh, we got lucky and. Uh, I really think that we might have been sunk had the Buccaneers, uh, two of their top five defensive backs, not been injured and left the game. And the Lions definitely took advantage of that uh, defensive backfield shortage in the fourth quarter. We'll get to that game here throughout uh, the program, but we'll start here chronologically and we'll go with the uh, Ravens and the Texans contest. It was a Ravens 34-10 to win. A bit of a slow start for the Ravens as it was 10-10 at half and the Texans uh, scored on a touchdown, which was a punt return for a touchdown. But then uh, you had pointed out in the sports zone a fiery speech from Lamar Jackson at halftime and out come the Ravens. They remember they're the Baltimore Ravens and they're the one seed. And in all four of their possessions, they scored three touchdowns and one field goal. Yes. First up, this is going to be the Bob Kemp apology portion of the the football season. My first one goes to Lamar Jackson, who I've been skeptical about in the playoff setting. Uh, He was one in eight against the spread. Actually, not just in the playoffs, but he was one in eight against the spread when he's been – when he's been favored by seven or more points in a game, whether it's regular season or postseason. Uh, and, but, uh, you know, they're tied at halftime. Uh, but the, the Ravens adjusted and did not panic. Uh, once again, I think uh, more apologies come from me to Todd Munkin, who uh, you know, really questioned uh, and doubted since last spring when they hired him from the University of Georgia. Yeah, he went back on Saturday to the Lamar run 
the ball frequently and uh, the overall run game after obviously they got the lead. And uh, the offensive line really dominated the line of scrimmage in this game. Uh, and that was especially in the second half. I think there was, uh, there was an element of surprise, big surprise. I think everybody was surprised that follows the game even casually. Uh, D'Amico Ryans was so heavy on the blitz. They went 69% blitz, which was the highest uh, much, uh, highest percentage of blitz that he's ever uh, gone through or uh, utilized, I should say, in his uh, NFL career as a uh, coordinator or a play caller. And he's still calling the defensive uh, you know signals for the uh, for the uh, Texans, even though he's the head coach. And I think that the Ravens were surprised by that in the first half, with understanding that they figured it out at the halftime. And they just ran the ball down their throat in the second half. And Lamar made a couple of really, you know, I think advantageous and you know plays at the right time that made a big difference. Uh, so uh, there's a, uh, you know, they deserve a ton of credit. And you know, Lamar and uh, Monken, who I've uh, questioned since before the season even started. I mean, I've questioned them for years as far as Lamar goes. Once we got to the postseason. And I didn't like the monk and hire at all. I just didn't understand it. Uh, but I was both on wrong, uh, both uh, wrong on both of those things. And uh, they're moving on, and they're now favored uh, in the conference championship game, which they're playing at home against the Chiefs this upcoming weekend. So this will be the second. I guess we're going to hear about this for another, another five, six days. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes on the road for a second playoff game. Well, it is the first time that the Ravens are hosting an AFC championship game at M&T Bank Stadium. So there's that you're probably going to hear all week long as well. Uh, yeah, the Baltimore Colts in 1971, the last time the city of Baltimore hosted a conference championship game. To your point with Lamar, though, his number is 16 of 22, 152 yards, two touchdowns, 11 carries, 100 yards, and two touchdowns. Also here for the Ravens uh, on the defensive side of the ball, they got pressure on C.J. Stroud. No sacks, but he was absolutely flushed out of the pocket a lot. Five quarterback hits, and they were also dominating here, limiting the run game with Devin Singletary. Nine carries, 22 yards. I understand at some point they did fall behind, so they got into the having-to-keep-throwing mode. But prior to that... Uh, uh, they were yeah. where they were dominant there uh, at the at the point of attack. Absolutely, they were. And you know the, the defense. I've been saying this all year, and I'm still sticking to my story on this one. Uh, is that the defense? That's the biggest reason the Ravens have taken the next step to me. Uh, it's the, they're the first defense since the NFL AFL merger, which was in 1970. The first defense to lead the league in points allowed, sacks, and also takeaways. And, you know, they didn't get any takeaways on Sunday, uh, but uh, Saturday, excuse me, any, you know, they didn't get any interceptions at least, uh, but they did all those things. And, yeah, really, Houston just got dominated at the line of scrimmage. The Ravens dominated both sides of the ball. And, you know, the Ravens, uh, the crowd noise certainly made a difference. There were eight pre-step penalties uh, for the uh, Texans in this game, including a fall f in the first quarter. They had four false start penalties and also a delay game penalty. All that in the first quarter, and all of it had to do with crowd noise. The, you know, the lone touchdown for the Texans was on the punt return. That's the one thing I'm sure that John Harbaugh is going nuts about this uh, last few, few hours since that game on Saturday. Yeah, you know, he he got into the NFL. He made his chops by you know, coaching special teams, and their special teams on Saturday were bad. 
They gave up the uh, touchdown, obviously, on the punt return. They had a 27-yard punt that led to the field goal uh, that the uh, Texans ended up kicking that game. And uh, that, like I said, that's got to be, I'm sure that that'll be a point of, a point of emphasis this week for Harbaugh is we got to do better in special teams because uh, usually they excel in that area. And even when they've lost games in the playoffs in the past, they've excelled on special teams. Uh, yeah, you're definitely right there about special teams and especially giving up that punt return. I'm sure uh, he, well, actually they did pan to him on the sideline and his face was like, what, 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 what just happened? Ah, uh, that we're well, not like allowed I to said. Do that. Don't, right, and don't, the twenty-seven yard punt gave the Texans a short field, and that was the only points that the offense scored the whole game. For the Texans, though, you pointed this out as well in your conversation with Frank Schwab, but just from a penalty standpoint for the Ravens, three for 15 yards. Meanwhile, the Texans, 11 for 70 yards, and a lot of them were pre-snap penalties for the Texans. So you're starting behind the eight ball against a team that's going to come after you and, uh, you know, just kind of self-inflicted wounds that sometimes suggest you're, you're just showing that youth and a little bit of jitters in those situations. Well, they had defensive pre. They had three or four defensive pre-snap penalties. They weren't all false false starts in the offense. I don't know what the hell they were doing. I have no idea. Uh, you know, obviously they were unable to stop the run. Uh, Lamar ran for like a hundred, uh, and uh, you know, once the uh, Ravens got the lead, they just you know pretty much played downhill and pounded them for the rest of the game. But you know the Texans, a young team, it's going to be very interesting. I think most people, myself included are expected the Texans and the Packers uh, to make uh, you know take the next step this uh, off season and move forward but it's you know we've had plenty of teams that we've thought we're going to do similar things and have taken a step back the next year including the Jags this year for that matter uh, but you know they have to do that each team I think the Texans they absolutely now they had some offensive line injuries the whole year uh, they, you, it's hard to imagine that they're not going to be healthier in the offensive line next year. But even if those guys come back healthy, they've got first thing they got to do is they got to, uh, you know, add offensive linemen with experience, which is not the easiest thing to do in the NFL because those guys are frequently not available because uh, those guys are, you know, you know they get long-term deals to stay with their current teams. But the, the Texans absolutely positively have to uh, you know, fortify their offensive line. they got to be better in that area next year. Yeah, I think we're both in agreement here that momentum doesn't necessarily carry over from season to season, especially when there is so much roster turnover. But when you're just talking about foundational pieces and thinking, okay, the building blocks are there, the Texans have those building blocks in place and the continued development and growth from those key players. But there are some areas that they are going to need to address and make some decisions on free agency wise uh some names that jump off the page that are free agents this offseason tight end dalton schultz he was really good for uh the texans and and certainly his connection with cj stroud in 15 games in the regular season 59 catches 635 yards five touchdowns for him you pointed out often when we were dissecting this texans defense defensive end jonathan grenard 15 games for him 52 tackles 12 and a half sacks running back Devin Singletary will be a free agent so will wide receiver Noah Brown linebacker Denzel Perryman and also kicker Kaimi Fairbairn I know he missed a kick in the game on Saturday but over the season he was 27 of 28 on field goals and 21 of 22 for extra points so a really good and consistent season for him 
Yeah, I would think that Singletary, Grenard, and the offensive line need to be the main guys. Uh, you know, the Schultz thing, they have a deep uh, tight end room. He wasn't the only tight end that made plays for them this year, including in the playoffs. Uh, so I'm not sure that uh, Schultz is anywhere near the top of the priority list as far as what they do this offseason. Yeah, I'm not that familiar with their cap situation, but they don't think they have too many veterans long-term, and obviously they have a quarterback on his rookie deal still. And the other thing of note, though, is that uh, if their offensive coordinator moves along, how does that kind of impact the growth and connection with C.J. Stroud? Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator, interviewed with the Falcons, Commanders, and Seahawks after last week interviewing with the Titans and the Panthers. Uh, no, no known information yet at this point, but he's certainly getting the interviews. That's true. I did not think he had a good game on Saturday, however, uh, to the point where I think that he and they would be better off, both of them, both sides, would be better off if he came back for one more year at least. And, uh, you know, because I thought that there were some obvious situations that they just, uh, what are they doing here? Uh, things that uh, kind of went away from what they'd done during the season. I don't know if it was, I don't think it was a panic thing, but it was just kind of strange. Uh, that they didn't do some pretty obvious things in you know certain situations like you know third short they decided to chuck the ball down the field at least once that I remember that had no chance to succeed uh, so I'm just you know that was not his best moment I'm imagine if he was just doing a you know highlight video of him as a coordinator that there wouldn't be much from Saturday's game play calling and obviously uh, execution that would be included. So the Texans, well, them losing helps the Cardinals now. We know what the, the two picks are going to be in the first round for the Cardinals. The Ravens are moving on to the AFC Championship game. On the other side of the break, though, we'll dive into the second game from Saturday. That was between the 49ers and the Packers. So we'll dissect that next from NFL Divisional Weekend. It is the Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060. downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is mail, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Welcome back to Extra Point here on this Monday, January 22nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. If you are listening to us through the radio, continue to do so. KDOS1060.com. That's also an option, as is the KDOS1060 app. There's some pretty cool prizes happening right now. Uh, sixth row hoops tickets downtown Phoenix. That contest ends the end of the month. And then the WM Phoenix Open is upcoming here, uh, second week of February. General admission tickets available through the KDOS 1060 app. So get involved today with both of those. Let's continue our NFL Divisional Weekend uh, conversation and the Saturday night contest here. The 49ers had to come back to win in a rainy game over the Packers 24-21. to um, Before we kind of dissect the game itself from both sides of things here did you find it interesting 
that um, the the players that were slipping all over the place and actually at some point had to change their cleats and there was a whole discussion about it was the 49ers who were playing on their home surface versus the Packers who, yes, they're used to and accustomed to some inclement weather being from Green Bay, but they were the road team. I was surprised, and we mentioned this on Friday because we kind of assumed that this, you know, the, the the forecast was out there when we did the Friday spread that there's going to be a possible torrential downpour, which there were. That was a downpour at times in that game. But I was surprised that the Niners are the team that had the uh, more uh, more issues with the footing. And uh, you know, I also mentioned on Friday that this is not known as the best field uh, if it rains. I mean, it's not like Candlestick used to be, which we would, that was like the worst place of all time for many reasons. Um, you know, wind and uh, the playing surface. But, you know, for a, team, for, an, for a stadium that has a new playing surface like this, there's been more than once that this has been an issue. So I was surprised that the Niners were the team that clearly seemed to be more affected by this. When it comes to the games, the stats really don't support it, but I think the Packers like thoroughly outplayed the 49ers, especially in that first half there, but the Packers had to settle for two field goals, and they also yeah. didn't convert on that fourth down, but maybe they did actually convert on that fourth down. Yeah, uh, yeah who knows? I don't know about that, but you know, they just didn't make plays in the red zone. Uh, and uh, as uh, Greg Olson pointed out, like I think even be, you know like early in the game that uh, you know it, oftentimes playoff games are determined uh, by who performs and scores touchdowns in the red zone and ends up kicking field goals and uh, that certainly um, you know was the case in this game as he uh, kind of uh, forecast before it ever happened as far as those things occurred so yeah let's see what's going on with that moving forward and whether the uh, you know the uh, 49ers, I'm sure they would still like to do better in the red zone. Also thought that the end of the first, the the middle eight, as they call it, you know, that's usually something that uh, you know, we've heard a lot about this. I think Belichick was the first guy I ever really heard mention this, or at least it was mentioned in connection with Belichick. And usually the 49ers excel in that area. That was a miserable failure for them in the middle eight at the end of the first half, start of the second half. You know, obviously, I thought Shanahan's clock management in the first half was atrocious. Uh, before the field goal was blocked, they could have gotten either closer or I didn't think he was aggressive enough trying to score a touchdown. And then they went three and out to start the second half. And at that point, after those things happened, that's when I actually thought the Packers had a really good chance to win the game after you know those two occurrences at the end of the first half and start of the second half. Yeah, I was yelling at the TV at that point, actually, about the conservative nature here, that you had an opportunity to to do something here with the football. And it was it wasn't even conservative play calling. It was just letting the clock run down before you called a timeout. It was just uh, mind boggling. And then there was no guarantee with where you were at on the field as evidenced by what happened, it being blocked, but the field conditions in a driving rainstorm, a 49 yard kick. I mean, the whole thing was uh, really quite mind boggling there. And then for me, you're continuing to talk about that middle eight portion. So you come out, you get the ball in the third quarter to start things 
things off. You have no Debo Samuel because he left the game with a shoulder injury, was unable to return. But clearly, you felt that you had this play call that you loved, and so you wanted to to execute it. But you ran it with Juwan Jennings, and it ends up going for for negative yards, and you go three and out to start the third quarter. I don't know. I would have assumed at that point really trying to heavily lean on your other stars with Christian McCaffrey and um, Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and maybe trying to get some safer throws to to help Brock Purdy, who obviously he was very uncomfortable with the weather conditions. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that Debo was a big part of this game plan. Just look at the first drive or so before he got hurt. He was heavily involved and heavily targeted in a short period of time before he left twice with injury. Remember, he was checked for a concussion. Then he came back in and then suffered the shoulder injury. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- I thought the biggest thing about the – other than the you – know, as you pointed out, the footing for the 49ers, their offensive line got used in this game. They got trashed with the exception of Trent Williams. Pretty much everybody else was outplayed by their Packer counterpart. And uh, that, to me – is a far bigger question moving forward than Brock Purdy is. Uh, so then you have, let's flip this back to the Packers side of things. Um, may, is this just kind of indicative of them being so youthful as well? So, yes, things are going well for them. They're moving the ball. They have to settle for two field goals, don't convert on fourth down, but they also have opportunities to turn the ball over. Uh, what could have been two pick sixes or at the very least two interceptions, and uh, they're unable to secure the ball. Yeah, well, they're the youngest team in the playoffs since 1974, and I think it showed up on Saturday night. To me, uh, yeah, Jordan Love in the second half, the last four possessions, that was not good, and a lot of it was on him. Also, the defense on the two 49ers touchdown drives just blew coverages, uh, and I think that has to, you know, partly because I just don't think they're a well-coached defensive team, and uh, I agree with Frank Schwab earlier in the uh, – and during the sports zone today said that uh, they need to replace Joe Barry, but he doesn't think that's going to happen. And neither do I, because they actually had a couple decent games at the end of the year, but they just seem to be out of sorts. And uh, when it mattered the most, and I mentioned on the two dry, touchdown drives, it was just blown ca- coverages before the actual touchdowns themselves. And uh, that, that's, you know, that's got to change. Uh, obviously, you know, Love had two picks. He had one pick in 21 touchdowns in the previous nine games, but he had two big picks in this game. And you know, there's, you know, I mentioned on Friday specifically that his poor mechanics would likely play a role whenever they get eliminated, whenever that might be, I said on Friday. And that turned out to be on the, you know, the two interceptions. I mean, they were horrible, you know, you know just – Things that you don't teach a quarterback to do, but they have such you know, arm strength so great, and he gets away with it so frequently that you know it would be better if he just didn't have the arm strength sometimes and had better mechanics. And I don't think that the, either of those interceptions occur if he actually had better mechanics. Uh, Aaron Jones, though, he was still really good. 18 carries for 108 yards, and that showed up. Uh, for the 49ers defense with some susceptibility there with the ground game as they gave up in total 136 rushing yards. Also, uh, the Packers were able to convert 7 of 13 on third down. 
Yeah. Um, you know, well, at least four of those were on penalties, right? Uh, so, you know, there were four penalties for first downs from defense, the defensive flags from the 49ers. So it wasn't all of them just converting plays. But, you know, the run defense, not as good. Uh, I think you can make a really easy case, and I'm going to make it now, briefly, that uh, not only did the uh, Packers dominate the line of scrimmage when their Packers defense was on the field, I think that they dominated the line of scrimmage when the Packers offense was on the field. But they, once again, in the fourth quarter, when they had to make plays on both sides of the ball, I think that their youth played a huge role in them failing in both cases. As for Kyle Shanahan, uh, he is now one in 30 in games trailing by seven plus in the fourth quarter as the 49ers head coach and three for 41 by trailing by five plus in the fourth quarter those three wins in his career 27 24 uh win in overtime week 18 2021 versus the rams 13 10 victory against the packers in 2021 in the divisional round and then uh saturday's contest against the packers once again Brock Purdy, though, he did, in fact, engineer his 12-play, 69-yard touchdown drive uh, for the go-ahead score, 5 of 6 on the drive. But I think clearly uncomfortable with the weather conditions, the wet ball, being able to get a grip on it. Uh, you know, we'll have to see what the weather conditions are supposed to be like for it's supposed Sunday. to be really nice, but you never know in seven days. But uh, I, looked at that, I looked at that yesterday morning. It was like the first thing I looked at. Yesterday morning is supposed to be like – you know, beautiful conditions, quote unquote. But uh, there's uh, no forecast for any rain in the near future, at least uh, by the end of the week, uh, you know, game time in San Francisco. So we'll change that could change. Uh, who knows? But uh, that's the first thing I looked and you know, it doesn't look bad then, at least I didn't look this morning, but I looked yesterday morning. And then if they get to the Super Bowl, that's in the dome in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, it is. So let the 49ers will be competing for their uh, fourth time they've been in an NFC title game in the last five years. So that's pretty darn remarkable. We've talked about it before leading up. To lost the last lost the last two. Both of those were on the road, though. And uh, the last one, they lost pretty much all their quarterbacks in that game. That would be correct. But I don't know if they were going to win anyway. Quite frankly, I had the wrong side in that game. Even before Purdy went down, I just kind of thought they got they got abused at the line of scrimmage in that game before uh, before Purdy got hurt too. That's one of the reasons he got hurt. In fact, uh, you know, they missed uh, an obvious blitz pickup, and that's how he ended up getting hurt in that game. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. You can certainly interrupt and uh, give your opinions of NFL Divisional Weekend. We'll also dive into the Lions and the Buccaneers contest next. It is the Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. Teams Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. Welcome back to Extra Point on this Monday.
Sunday, January 22nd. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. If you'd like to chime in, feel free to do so. 602-260-1060. We'll talk to you now. The other available phone call time will be about 12.15 today. Continuing with the NFL divisional theme here with the Lions and the Buccaneers. The Lions held off the Bucs 31-23. The Lions were able to get pressure on Baker Mayfield with four sacks. They also did it with, uh, you know, Aiden Hutchinson continuing his tear over the last four games of what it's been, eight sacks in the last four. In addition to that, they sent a lot of safety blitzes. Yeah, it'd be nice if you blocked Hutchinson two times. You had two of those sacks, and he was totally unblocked. I don't know what the heck the Tampa Bay offensive line was doing there. Uh, but really, this whole game, I know it was 10-10. I know it was 17-17. Uh, but to me, the Tampa Bay was just chasing the entire game. Uh, you know, I didn't. I, at no point of this game, even when it was 10-10 and 17-17, did I actually think that Detroit was going to lose the game. Uh, you know, the other thing, uh, the injuries really played a huge role here. Uh, you know, the, uh, you know, secondary from, you know, Zion McCallum first went down with an injury. He's their fifth defensive back. And actually he's played a ton this year for the sec in the secondary for the Buccaneers because of all the other defensive backfield injuries he had and he got carted off. And then shortly thereafter, Jamel Dean was injured. And at that point, with those two guys out, I actually thought that that really opened the door for the Lions in the fourth quarter. It was 17-17 still when Dean went down, and they just attacked the secondary and specifically their replacements, and uh, that, that had a lot to do with their uh, consecutive touchdown drives uh, to put the put the game out of reach, in my opinion, even though I know that there was a – you know, the score, they, they, you know, Tampa Bay went down, made it a one-score game, and, you know, they did have the ball at the end of the game, but, you know, that was a desperation thing, and Baker, Baker shouldn't be criticized for that last interception, even though I heard him criticized for it last night, which is a stupid, uh, but whatever. Uh, he actually had a good game and actually did a lot to keep him in the game. If they hadn't dropped him more pass, a few passes, they would have maybe had a chance to win the game. But really, I thought Detroit was the better team, and Jared Goff has now had two excellent playoff performances. Uh, you had three consecutive drives during the second half in which they scored touchdowns. This was after they had the fewest yards of any half that the Lions have had this season during the first half when it was 10-10 to at halftime. On defense, you mentioned the sacks. Also, I don't think, and I have a note here about that corner blitz too, Tampa Bay never adjusted, and that actually first happened on the very first series of the game. And they never made an adjustment on that. It was still happening on the last series of the game. Not one. They did never. They had four quarters to adjust, and they didn't. It was either the slot corner or the corner itself, himself, and they never figured that out, which drove me nuts. And it's still driving me nuts, obviously. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, we'll see what's up with that. I mentioned uh, Jameer Gibbs on Friday. They've unleashed him. I thought they did a tremendous job as a coaching staff and an organization of you know, protecting is the wrong word, but you know, conserving his carries during the season because he has a history of being injured. And when he was at Georgia Tech in Alabama, especially at Alabama, they did a really good job. Shockingly, Nick Saban did a really good job of that. Uh, conserving him in Alabama and just kind of unleashing when most necessary and needed the most. 
And I think the Lions have done a really good job with that, too. Uh, really bad injury, though, possibly for the Lions here. Jonah Jackson, who's a tremendous left uh, left guard, he got hurt when it was 10-3. to And just in the last few minutes, I've read that he's out for the season with a knee injury. Yeah, that's that's definitely not good news there. Um, going back to the Buccaneers, uh, you know, the wide receivers still able to get themselves open here despite some of that pressure uh, that Aaron Glenn was bringing. Mike Evans, eight catches, 147 yards, one touchdown, and the tight end, Kate Otten, five catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. Do you think it was mm-hmm. also interesting, though, that um, they, they didn't really run the ball? I mean, Rashad White had success, nine carries, 55 yards. I understand scoreboard a little bit later on there in that fourth quarter, but but prior to that, not leaning into that more. Well, I think one of the problems is White left this game three different times with injury. I thought he was done for sure the second time because he was he got hit really hard. The second one was a, I thought a head injury, and they said it was a, he was being checked for concussion, and he was back in like five seconds later. So I don't know what the, exactly how that worked out or didn't work out maybe in the long term, unfortunately. But I, you can't have – Chase Edmonds shouldn't even be in the NFL. And he's the second running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he can't play. He couldn't play at the end of his career with the Cardinals here. He couldn't play when he was in Miami. He couldn't play very well or at a high level when he's in, in Denver. And he's – you know how is he still in the league? Uh, we loved him when he first came into the league, but he's been highly ineffective for four organizations now. Uh, the costly interception for Baker there with 135 to go, uh, needing needing to go 90 yards there for a touchdown and the two-point conversion. Uh, for the Buccaneers, though, they have free agents, and I think it starts there with Baker Mayfield, and if they've seen enough, feel confident enough to make him their long-term solution there. 64.3% completion percentage this season for Baker, 4,044 yards, 28 touchdowns, 10 picks, 40 sacks. The other question, wide receiver-wise, Mike Evans, 30 years old, 79 catches, 1,255 yards, 13 touchdowns. Also, safety Antoine Winfield Jr. will be a free agent. So, too, will linebacker Levante David and Devin White well Devin White's been demoted so I don't think that he's coming back or if he does it's going to be for a you know lesser deal I mean he doesn't even he's not even the starter anymore uh with good reason because he has not had a good couple of years quite frankly uh, even last year his level of play really really you know de- declined drastically uh, so I don't know. I'll be interesting to see how many other teams, if he becomes a unrestricted free agent, I'm not sure how many, what's he, what's he, what's his value in the market? I'm not even sure about that. Uh, the Mayfield thing, both networks or the uh, you know, NFL network and ESPN reporting before the game yesterday, uh, before the game that uh, Mayfield and the Buccaneers are expected to come to a contract extension agreement. And then on the flip side of this here for the Lions and Jared Goff, once again, he played well, no turnovers, 30 of 43, 287 yards, two touchdowns, two sacks was the stat line for him. Uh, So now the question mark is two games in that atmosphere in Detroit. Now how can he carry that over? Uh, Well, I mean, he's very familiar with Northern California, but we've seen the uh, home versus road splits for Goff here. Now having the opportunity to compete once again in an NFC championship game 
We have. And uh, once again, let me point out the Joni Jackson injury. This is a really big deal. Uh, you know, the left guard, and he's he, missed, he has missed time along with, you know, unfortunately for the Lions, they've rarely had their offensive line, which went intact. I think you can now say it is the best offensive line in the NFL. Because I think before the you know before the season started or you know during the early part of the season, at least I did uh, that the Lions and the Eagles had the two best offensive lines, but the Eagles' offensive line clearly did not perform at the same level this year. The Lions' offensive line, when healthy, is the elite group, but rarely, rarely it can't be more than two or three games this season, and all five of the those guys have all played together, and unfortunately. As they move forward here, it's not going to happen next week either. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, he continues to play well. Eight catches, 77 yards, one touchdown. And Sam Laporta, I mean, this knee injury that he suffered and what he's been able to do to get back, and I I think playing this week was much better than last week for him, but he's so key to what the Lions are doing offensively as well and the comfort for Jared Goff, nine catches for 65 yards. Well, and Laporta was barely in the field by the end of the last game. I mean, he, he was clearly hobbled a week ago. And uh, yeah, when he was out there, actually, in that fourth quarter of the Rams game, uh, he was, I don't know if decoy is the right word or not, but he wasn't a big part of the offense at that point. He did, he had some early plays in that game. I don't know if there was, uh, you know, I'm not sure how they you know get guys ready for a game, but he was ready for that game last week. He wasn't ready to really go the whole game last week. And they even said before the game yesterday that he was much healthier in practice. I think Collinsworth even mentioned it during the game. And that just wasn't some coach speak. That was actually the real deal. He looked uh, he looked much better yesterday and obviously uh, you know, was a contributor for the entire game. So the Lions... They'll be taking on the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. We'll dissect the AFC matchup between the Chiefs and the Bills on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Continuing with the NFL Divisional Weekend, going game to game, we've landed here on the Chiefs and the Bills contest from Buffalo with the Chiefs coming out on top 27 to 24. Josh Allen, he was asked to do everything once again. 26 of 39, 186 yards, one touchdown. 12 carries, 72 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Including the regular season and the postseason, Josh Allen has accounted for 51 touchdowns this 2023-2024 uh, year. He did throw two dimes in the fourth quarter, one to Trent Sherfield, one to Stephon Diggs that went incomplete. But then when the ball... There at the final uh, possession for them uh, was in field goal territory. He didn't 
throw it to the underneath route with Diggs crossing on the second and nine and ended up th- under throwing Shakir in the end zone. You know, you're certainly nitpicking there, but uh, those certain moments start to add up, and that's why the Chiefs are, are going home with a victory. I don't think you're nitpicking at all. And also, I mean, I thought that Allen played really well until the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, they should have lost a fun. He should have lost a fumble in that fourth quarter when Kincaid made a great play that resulted in the Bills miraculously recovering that fumble. That would end the game in that drive right then. Uh, yeah, I'm not giving them a whole lot of criticism though on the the throw to Shakira because yeah, Dawkins got crushed on that play. Uh, the left tackle who has really been good this season, but he got destroyed in that play by uh, by uh, you know. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Chris I'm, Jones. I'm completely... Yes, thank you very much. I forgot the best player on the team. Uh, best best player in their defense, at least. He got crushed. And in fact, I saw a, you know, a, a still th- thing of that this morning. Is Allen actually got his foot stepped on by Dawkins, who got pushed so far back into him. So I'm not blaming for that. But the play before the last incomplete pass, before the missed field goal, he missed a wide-open Kincaid, which would have gotten him much closer, and uh, he didn't even bother to try to do that. And I think that uh, you know that was Allen being Allen, just trying to make the superhuman, you know, the, the trying to make the uh, the home run play or the touchdown play when the chuckdown was there. That would have been an easy 15-yard completion. There was nobody near Kincaid. And he didn't even bother to look at him. And that was like, you know, the first progression in the route. That's the first thing you're supposed to look at. Instead, he went for the deep ball, and it ended up being an incomplete pass. Also, the second half, yeah, really the first half, they had 17 points, 124 yards rushing, 17 first downs. Uh, A lot of that was six offensive linemen in the field. They didn't do nearly as much of that in the second half. They only scored seven points in the second half. They only had 10 first downs and only had 58 yards rushing in the second half. There's plenty uh, more. I'll get, to, I'll get to Kansas City in the next hour, next hour but uh, I wanted to get the Bills stuff out of the way here. We'll have much more on the Bills when we answer the poll question at the bottom of the next hour. Yeah, there's plenty to continue to dissect here. Uh, we can get into the coaching side of things, too. The weird moment going for it on fourth down and the subsequent sequence of plays there. Uh, talk about some of the Bills free agents that they have, decisions they have impending in this offseason, and, of course, the Chiefs side of things, too. So we'll get that going uh, to kickstart our number two of the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060.